I'm Jason Klom. Gaziza. I'm Alan Rickards. Your last name is Rickard? And we are the hosts of Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Jason Klom. Gaziza. I'm Alan Rickard. And this is Dispatches, Dispatches from, from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast. This episode... Is season four, episode seven. Catherine moves on. It aired November twenty fifth, nineteen ninety seven, and we have a special guest with us this week. And that special guest is Josh Lieb. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Josh. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, um, why did you pick this? Is uh, your request? So, why did you well, want to talk about it? Uh, you know, uh, you gave me a list of ones you were doing coming up, and I happen mm -hmm. to be out in L.A. This is a one. Uh, uh, this is an episode I remember fondly. It's an unusual episode. It's definitely. Uh, you know, it was a bittersweet episode because it was the one when uh, Candy left us. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, um, I did, you know, talk a little bit for you about Super Karate Monkey Death Car, but I, <laughs> you know, I really, I, I, I kind of like said everything I, I know about that. To, and I've never really talked about this one, and uh, it's a great episode. It's a really good episode. I, we, we're coming on episodes we talked about this last time, is, yeah. is stuff that I say last time we've skipped an episode, but we're going to keep doing this. We, we but like, it's just, I don't know, I uh, there's so much about this season that's so all over the place in terms of, I keep forgetting how much good shit is packed into one. Mm -hmm. I'm so used to talking about season three at this point that I forget how much stuff I love is in four. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, as you mentioned, there's kind of like a surreal humor that almost starts to happen, which is much more so what, than, yeah. than the last one. Well, yeah, I think what happens is, is you know, as, as shows progress, they tend to get more surreal because mm -hmm. the, the people making them get, I don't know, they get bored, but you start playing with the stuff you've already been doing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, you know, they, they, they either tend to get weird or really cliche, and so we, we started to get really weird around season four. Was there well, Was it the freedom of not knowing what was going to happen with it? Not that I ever. I mean, we never knew what was going to happen with it. Yeah. We we never felt you know restricted in that way. We we you know we very rarely did things to cater to. Um, we thought the network would like it. Like we did, you know, we brought in, you know, Walt to you know for network sensibilities, and we brought in you know the the sort of the whole Andrea Plan B you know was something for the network. Mm -hmm. But we liked all that stuff. But mm -hmm. but but those are the those are the only the, those are the real only things I can think of that we did, you know, that at that network's behest. Mm -hmm. um, so, no, it, it, we, we just, it was just what we felt like making at that time, I guess. Yeah. Was there any, or are there any ones that you grew up watching that were so, in, uh, that influenced you in terms of, because I mean, I don't know, the 60s and 70s and even the 80s were kind of replete with like bits and pieces. I mean, you had like straight up surreal shows like, you know, Bewitched or whatever mm -hmm. the hell. Was there anything that... I mean, Green Acres is the one that we... I, I a feeling. I think <laughs> we, we all always, you know, call back to. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I watched a lot of Green... Uh, you know, look, I... I um, you know, the shows that really... My favorite sitcoms and the ones I, you know, I watched repeatedly were The Andy Griffith Show mm -hmm. and um, Sanford and Son. Mm -hmm. There was a station in my hometown that played those back-to-back -back every night, you know, from 11 to midnight, and I watched those probably mm -hmm. for a decade. So, you know, those are maybe my two favorite shows. I, I think uh, Barney Miller is sure. my, my mm -hmm. favorite show, but, you know, I wouldn't say, none of those are particularly surreal, you know. Right. Uh, Sanford played kind of fast and loose a lot, but uh, but I wouldn't say it was surreal, it was just slapstick. But um, uh, Were you okay with the, with the Grady-focused episodes? 
Oh, I love so, Grady. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know when, when, when it was like when Fred was gone and they were doing some weird, yeah, you know, and then suddenly it's Bubba and Grady going on an adventure, like, yeah, you know, you know, but yeah, you love Grady. How, yeah. how, can, you, how can you not like Grady? But um, yeah, they weren't as good. Obviously. Yeah. They weren't as funny. If you don't have Red Fox, you're not as funny. It's true. That's very true. That's true. I have nothing to contribute because I've never seen an episode of Sanford and Son, oddly enough. Oh, it, it, it's a, uh, I mean, it's just a showcase for a really funny man, yeah. you know, and uh, the, um, yeah, he's great. Um, I, I remember, actually, as long as, you know, I, it, no one else in the world would be interested in this, but I remember talking to Dave Foley one time about uh, Andy Griffith's show, and he was not an, a particular fan. So Interesting. Because okay. huh. he, he thought, he, he said, you know, I, I, I said, you know, it's such a funny show, and he said he would have called it whimsical, I think, rather than funny. Okay. But he, again, you know, I doubt he watched it as much as I did. Yeah. And he's Canadian, and I'm from South Carolina, and so it was the kind of, it was the kind of thing they showed us a lot. You yeah. know, it was it was, it was yeah. kind of thing they showed a lot. It was it was a, a, a rural Southern pride uh, type show to mm-hmm. have around. So, um, uh, but uh, yeah, so but I think it's you know terrifically funny. Yeah, I mean, I, in my memory, it is. And Andy Griffiths are some of my favorite comedy albums of all time too. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. It's, like, I mean, yeah, I guess it comes across as quaint to some people because it's Southern, or maybe because it's got an accent. I don't know. <laughs> well, it, and it is. I mean, he's right. It, it is whimsical a lot, sure. and it is like you know. But but they they you know. But there are it's sort of these long payoffs for very funny things, mm-hmm. and and those uh, you know, those crazy. I don't. Even, I haven't watched the show in a million years. So those crazy. Um, this is why people listen to your podcast up here. People try and remember Andy Griffith yeah. episodes. From <laughs> yeah, six years. It's ago. always a, a subsection. But but there are those those crazy you know harlots from the big city who would come to <laughs> Mayberry and try to romance Andy and and, uh, and Barney and Barney was always hilarious yeah so it was all good anyway, we can move on I'm sorry no no, no it's fine. Fine. I, I just put a uh, it's I don't think I've ever heard Don Knotts in that show as described as whimsical as much fun but it's yeah I completely get it yeah <laughs> By the way, this is, is super that fun that my tablet has been going off, even though the volume was off. It's all super good. exciting. It's all good. You can make a note of that. That's fine. <laughs> 26 if that happened. Um, uh, uh, just before we actually uh, dive into the episode, because I, I asked uh, Paul Sims this, what, what like, music did you listen to while writing the show? Was there anything that inspired you, or was it or just something that was playing in the background? for you? Uh, I, I don't remember. I, oh. I, didn't, I don't know if I played a lot of music while we... Um, uh, wrote uh, a lot of times when um, when when we were done, if we had we put the script, you know, we'd finished the script, and after a late night session, an all night session, um, I would play uh, Edith Piaf singing uh, "Non Je ne Regret Rien," and uh-huh. uh, uh, you know, I regret nothing, and and because that's how I felt. And then um, I think Lou Morton broke that at some point, or maybe Paul broke it because he hated it so much. <laughs> and then Lou taped it together. And then there was a, a bit where Lou would keep coming into my office and saying, "I've got your CD to play," and he would just tape together CD. Yeah, he kept trying to put in my my CD player. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we were all about repetitive jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's 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 perfectly yeah. permissible to me. Uh, do you so how how much of this episode is is you? I mean, I guess you can't give a percentage, but like, uh, well, who who got the writing credits? That's a good question because it never I don't ever have it on here because I'm again very very small. My suspicion is this is one where we packed in as many names as possible because mm-hmm. my recollection is this was a an all night, um, you know, top to bottom job where we had nothing, you know, mm-hmm. at eleven o'clock at night and then we had a script for the table in the morning. Right. Wow. So. Um, which you know we did not infrequently, um, and so when we would do that, 
uh, because everyone w would be written in sections, uh, we would, you know, pack as many, I, I forget what the guild restrictions were, but you could have oh, right. three story by or two story buys and four written buys and, oh, wow. you know, and if you had a team that could count as one thing. So, so Sam and Chris, you know, we could, but, uh, we, we would just put as many people in as possible. And sometimes everybody got, you know, didn't have their name on something at some point. But mm -hmm. I was, I was, it's very funny to me when, uh, sitcom writers, uh, sort of, you know, claim probably like, that's my episode, or I wrote that one. It's like, yeah. no, you didn't. <laughs> you know, the whole bloody room wrote it. Or, yeah. you know, or like, you know, your, your, your showrunner wrote it. You know, they're like, yeah. give me a, give me a break. I, I so, um, but in this one, uh, it's you and Paul credited, you, by the way. Oh, me and Paul credited? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Well, so maybe, maybe not quite as much. This was one where, um, as I recall, and and again, I, I'll, I said before, my, my memory is not the best. Um, it was it was night, and Paul was not in the office, so I I th I think it was probably we were probably on the Tuesday Wednesday schedule at that point. So we were probably shooting a show Tuesday night, mm -hmm. and Paul was down on the floor with Joe. So it was, so you know, Paul ran the show. There were sort of two chief lieutenants. There was Joe mm -hmm. was sort of the floor lieutenant, and. Uh, dealt with, uh, you know, uh, did, did more stuff with the actors and with um, figuring out stuff out on the floor and rewrites mm -hmm. down there. And I was the writing lieutenant, and I would be tend to be up in the office if we needed to be sort of marshalling the forces there. Okay. And so it's also possible this was a... Paul was out on a date or something, too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that was more first season when we, we would give him shit about that. So... Uh, <laughs> um, so we need candy had said candy had come and said she wanted to leave the show um which was very sad for us but i don't i don't blame her uh she's i think she's probably the best pure actress we have on the show had on the show mm -hmm. in the cast and um she's very funny but we had so many mouths to feed I and mean, we just had we had a lot of funny people on that show mm -hmm. and we, it, was, it was a big cast and um you know and we had just you look at the people who are on it they're just Everyone, everyone was great, and Candy was great. But you know, I, 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 I really couldn't blame any one of them for saying like, I wish I had a little more. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, but you know, you've got to give Phil Hartman, you know, his due, and you've got to give Dave Foley his due, sure. and, then, right. and then you start divvying it up, you know, mm -hmm. and you still got you still got Vicky Lewis to get to, and Stephen Root to get to, yeah. and Andy Dick to get to, and Marty, you know, it, it was just it, it just went on and on. So, you know, we couldn't promise her that we would make. You know, more, she she just wanted to do more interesting stuff to her. I get that. Right. So, uh, you know, so we, so we got it too, and so you know, we the the trick was to um, give her an appropriate goodbye. Yeah. And, and yeah. We batted stuff around, and we couldn't. We hadn't really cracked it. Paul, I remember, was gone. He was out, and I had to come up with something. And I remembered. Uh, so I know for a fact that I knew then, and I still know that that Paul hated Rashomon stories just hated them just, <laughs> just thought they were like the laziest stupidest thing in the world but I had an idea for a Rashomon story for this and I, I kind of knew he would like it like yeah. I, I, mm -hmm. I you know I was like and I knew he was going to come back and I did you know uh, give it to him and I was like but this is going to be weird enough that he will actually enjoy it mm -hmm. and, it, and it was and he, he didn't he didn't even bad an eye he goes oh yeah that, that's he goes I hate Rashomon stories that's like I know you know and he goes but this is great and that's so. awesome it's great I was actually about to say like normally on, on sitcoms whenever I know that plot is coming with the Rashomon I, I'm like no like I don't want to watch because I remember the Fresh Prince one I'm like oh. <laughs> but this one like wa yeah there is one uh, but this one like it 
it works so well because although it's like you know a, a Catherine focused episode technically you see everyone's point of view like so well right and it's so funny like uh, yeah i it plays I, like it a plays really well <laughs> it plays like a different version of the daydream episode which i kind of like yeah it's no. like a companion episode to it, that. it it is very similar you know we we, we you know and, and i think if we hadn't done the daydream episode before we wouldn't have done this one mm-hmm. you know uh you know that, that sort of proved that we could we could sort of step outside the lines like that mm-hmm. um yeah, and it was a ton of fun. Um, I appear in it as yes. the uh, as the weird thief. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have a you know? question to ask you about okay. later. <laughs> we'll ask about it later. We're gonna, we're gonna do a little bit of a game actually. With okay. It. okay. The, the, so I, I, it's funny. I Paul are the only ones um, uh, with credits on it. I, I but maybe that's how it worked out. We we you know a lot of times the way things would work was uh, when we were gang writing a script, and maybe this wasn't one where we did that because but but was. Um, I think we did. We outline it very. It's not one of these outlines you see where every goddamn thing is is written in. Mm-hmm. It's just sure. like the scenes in the bullpen. This is the information we need to get across. In the, it, it, these are the characters who are here. In the end, Joe needs to walk into the break room. Mm-hmm. You know, and okay, you go off and write that. Yeah. You know, and then you okay, Joe's in, Joe walks into the break room. He finds you know Catherine. You know. Uh, punching a speed bag, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and, and what are you doing? You know, and at the end, Catherine needs to uh, say, I'm leaving the show, you know? Mm-hmm. So th- th- those are how it was, and people would go off and write it, and and, um, and then I'd take, you know, whatever my scene or scenes, and then people would come and bring me their scenes, and I'd assign out more, mm-hmm. and I would take their scenes and stitch them together, and I would rewrite them, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then... Uh, I would give sort of the whole, and then when I had a whole sort of mess together, but it was this whole script, I'd give it to Paul and then he'd rewrite it. Mm-hmm. So it was a very sort of efficient way of, of getting multiple rewrites. And, you know, it, it wasn't very, I, I, I don't know, we all, you know, we sort of took pride in being very fast and, 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 and also, um, you know, we were, we were being craftsmen. We didn't have a lot of sympathy for the, the people who would take you know a month to write a script you know it, it was just like are you kidding me you know it, 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 it but so um in some ways we sort of you know put ourselves in that corner a lot of the times but we uh but i i do think that it was a extremely effective way to, to you know look and you can see sometimes often maybe uh there are raw moments in the show where like well maybe if they'd spend a week you know mm-hmm. on that but then i don't know because we always were going to overstuff our scripts and then we were always mm-hmm. going to have to edit them down so um at any rate uh because the one thing i remember from the writing particular writing of that episode and, and this can be wrong i think we were in uh so i don't know who came up i, I think i must have come up with the the, the sam and huck stuff <laughs> with, with matthew and bill mm-hmm. um but uh it was i remember uh not sam uh, tom and huck tom and huck stuff but i, I remember sam and chris they, they were off sort of writing one of the, the penultimate scenes or something and 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 sam comes in and he goes uh, his pitch his line was he was just standing across the room i remember him walking across the room he goes uh bill i'm up for i'm up for another homoerotic adventure on the big muddy <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i picked him for another homoerotic adventure on the big Muddy. and and you know that was so good but that that's all sam and chris you know that that, yeah. that, was, that, was, that, that was such a great line oh that's <laughs> so amazing you know i honestly can't like just to go back very quickly, it takes I think it takes some guts to leave a show where 
I don't know. You're getting a good paycheck and leave for the right reasons to leave. Like I'm not, I'm not getting what I want right out of it artistically I, or performatively. That's crazy to me. You, I, I couldn't you, do it. You, you, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna. I, I mean, uh, how do you remember how long ago, like before you actually wrote this episode, she approached you guys? I don't really know how that. Oh, I, yeah. I I really don't remember. Paul might okay. have a better memory. Um, I. It was during the season. Right. It, wasn't, it wasn't like we heard over the summer or something. Right. It was time to plan. It, it was during. It was, so it, it was probably pretty uh, new at that point. Um, yeah, it takes guts, it, it for sure. You know, I mean, maybe she might have been plumed some by the fact that, uh, you know, you could ask her. Uh, the, it, yeah, it was a steady paycheck, but it wasn't going to be steady for long. Yeah. It, it, it never seemed like we were going to be really around. So, um, you know, um, and uh, she might have, she probably has already been approached by other things. And, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, I, mean, I think she almost immediately went on to, um, no, maybe that's too soon. Because she did ER and CSI, right? So yeah, I yeah but, but way, way before then she did, um, God, what was that show? I should probably know this. Up quick. Yeah, she, she did a, a really great dramatic turn, and I can't remember the name of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was, it was like the next year. Okay. So, um, or maybe the year after that, but it, it but... But anyhow, but she she was she was working pretty instantly, and I think she was you know, I think she had some stage stuff she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's just again an extraordinarily talented woman. We've all got noises yeah. going on. We're doing that's very good. I just all of us. Candy dinging. That's not how it happens. <laughs> <laughs> I I gotta tell you, I this episode opens when you've got s- my brand of OCD. Uh, the idea of crunching, making you want to kill somebody. Right. Holy shit. Right. That is like I related to that way too well and still do. Right. Good God. Uh, yeah, that, that I think I was more of a Paul. Uh, yeah. Thing, yeah. <laughs> I always wonder. Like, I love that you can you can tell just by thematically, like what might be something what bothers somebody. Yeah, yeah. like it wouldn't bother me. No. you know. But it's a definitely the kind of thing that would drive Paul up the goddamn wall. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know if we want to go through this like we typically go through it, but uh, oh, oh, Alan, Alan, might no, I'm something. not trying to find. I can't. Well, you know what? Well, ER was nine. Did start ninety five? I don't know if that was. No, she would. She wouldn't go. Didn't go right on. Didn't ER. Go right on. I, I, you know. Huh. Was it a movie, maybe, or was it an actual show? I don't remember. It was yeah. like a, I think it was like a mini series or something. But it, it was okay. It was something big that kind of made her name, mm-hmm. you know, in outside the comedy world. And when we sort of stuck her in that for a little while. Yeah, sure. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. <laughs> And we're back. Yes. So we're gonna do something we've never done before on the show. We're gonna do a little game. Uh, it's not a trivia game. It's a it's a just guess that number game. I want to know how much. We're gonna start with Josh Lee, the man who wore the Hamburglar costume. How much do you think that is uh, f- for sale for right now? How much do you think that's going for? The actual one I wore. Yes. <laughs> I know where to buy it. I've considered buying it because I thought it would be fun. Uh, you can see my Jimmy James. Is that a real Jimmy James? Yes, it uh... is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the incorporated the jacket. His face. I don't know. Man. I was like, did we even make those? I guess yes. so. Yeah. There are about four of them. Yeah. Uh, so the weird thief, uh, 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 Spina's got it, and he wants one hundred thousand dollars. Alan, how much do you think it's going for? Well, you kind of told me before. Did I? Yeah. Did I? So All right. Might have just. Jen's I... in the next room. She's on the ether. Jen, how much do you think it's going for? I already told you. <laughs> nice game. This is, Damn it. This is Son a game a... just for Josh. All right, if I, if I give a real, I <laughs> yeah, think it's $1,000. $1,000. $75, Josh. Okay. It can be yours. Do you want it? That's no, the I question. don't want it. You, you can buy it right now. I can tell you where to buy it. <laughs> Wait, who's got it? Uh, there's a woman who owns a, a website that sells just a bunch of costumes, basically from a bunch of shit from the 90s and early 2000s. That's really funny. I've gotten that. I've got a shirt. 
that Andy that, Dick once wore for right. some reason. It and he got that from her. Now, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. So I thought that, um, I wonder if it's the same, because, you know, Ron oh. Weiner wore, it, it was the Weird Thief the next season. Uh-huh. And, oh, I wonder. And I wonder if it's, dis- if, I, I, I can't remember if he wore the same exact same costume or not. This one will tell me what, what, what season it was used in. So. It might, we might have used the same, I mean, we probably did use, use the, the same, same one. one. Yeah. But Ron and I, he's a little taller, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, this no. does specifically mention your episode, so at the very least it is the okay. one you wore, for sure. Yeah. Does it include the pants and the shoes and everything, or is it, it just the shirt? Yeah, I will tell you, there's no photo, so I don't know what kind of condition <laughs> this amazing costume is. Oh, here we go. Includes black and white nylon striped shirt, black nice. cape, black burglar's mask, and white gloves. All right. Oh. Right. So we go. The you gloves are too big. Were they? Yeah. I, I think <laughs> as I got, so I, I don't, the, the weird, we had to call it the weird thief, obviously. The hamburglers yes, sure. are protected. Right. Uh, so he was he was the weird, weird dude. <laughs> <laughs> how how much on camera stuff have you ever done? You know, not too much. I, I, I uh, you know I I did a little cameo. Me and Lou did. We were lunatic at asylum. In yes, right. Yes, yes, yes. In the John Lovett thing, <laughs> oh. and um, uh, you know I I I I I I've tended to find that when um. I write something and I perform it that somebody else would have been better performing it. <laughs> you know, I never really exercised that muscle. I, I think I probably c- I could have learned it, but I just didn't. And I, I had success as a um, writer pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, if if I, you know, if I hadn't, I probably would have, you know, uh, fucked around with some comedy troops and stuff some more. But I, I mm-hmm. was a, a working writer, you know, and I, I didn't really have any need to to do it, so I, I didn't. So you know. Um, so I really have not done a whole lot uh, on camera. Yeah. Well, until Jason pointed out to me like a few weeks ago that that was you in the the burglar costume, I thought it was an actual actor that auditioned for it. So oh, that's funny. Yeah. Well done. No, well, <laughs> I, actually, I don't think I have to look at. I, I don't think that's very good. I had to watch it. Um, I, I remember not being terribly. Uh, well, so first off, it was kind of a, a joke to all of them to put me in that costume. Like, they thought that was just hilarious <laughs> to, that that I would be the hand burglar. Um, and and sort of um, or weird thief, a weird thief, as it is. <laughs> um, the you know that's, that's exactly the kind of thing that would tickle Paul. The the <laughs> we had a I'm trying to I think it was it was a little bit related to so we had a um, uh, from like a you know from Walgreens or something we had a a, a, fra- a Frankenstein wall hanging it was, it was like a head with like a really a, you know crappy plastic body mm-hmm. that we had around the office for a long time. And it was sort of the, it was just a long-standing joke where we would talk about how we had everything we needed to bring the monster to life, and all we needed to know was a great ray of life, you know, and who was responsible for the great ray of life, and, and then we would we would get the monster ready, and and it was just it was just, it was just something we would we would just do it all the fucking time <laughs> for a while, and 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 so, um, uh, but it, it was just it was, I was really skinny, f- probably the first few seasons of the show just. Um, my parents thought I was on coke when they when they would visit. <laughs> oh no! But I, I, I was just, you know, I, I could suddenly I could afford as many cigarettes as I wanted for the first time in my life, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I I didn't I wasn't I was just so excited I was that time so much fun I, I didn't eat I drank a lot but I it, it, I was just I was teeny so because at some point we discovered that I could fit inside the Frankenstein body. <laughs> it is really, you know, it was not meant to be human sized, uh-huh. but I could fit inside it, and so. Uh, so I, I, went, I, mean, I know I went to a couple of run-throughs dressed in the Frankenstein outfit, you know, <laughs> this really tight plastic uh, thing, which is probably, you know, by the way, more professional than what I usually used to wear to down on the floor. So, um, <laughs> but so I guess the idea of putting me in, in stuff, I think, 
came somewhat from that. And then, and so, yeah, I think that, you know, they all thought I was funny looking, would be a funny, uh, weird thief. My, my problem with it was, um, uh, I have terrible eyesight. I, I just mm-hmm. cannot see. And, uh, so the way I couldn't wear my glasses. Oh shit. So I, I remember being out there like, going, oh God damn it. You know, cause it was just like, everything's very blurry and it's just hard to, you know, to, to, it, it was just another layer while I was, you know, doing my thing. And, you know, and those, um, those, uh, breakaway coffee things are so fragile uh-huh. mm-hmm. so you know I had to be super careful with those until you know I, the, the juggling or whatever came oh, up sure. so, yeah, yeah. so that, that's what I remember from that but, uh, was, what, do you remember because if, if your vision was that bad did you have trouble hitting the mark because at, at some point toward the, the end when Mr. James talks about it like you kind of like run right up to the camera and then smash <laughs> it but you're like really in focus right <laughs> I don't. I really don't remember. I, th- okay. I, I think. I think. I must. Have, I, I was probably really concentrating on, on making sure I could see the mark. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but like like that's where it would sort of betray me is that I'd have to glance at the mark rather than you know just fully focus on mm-hmm. being the best weird thief I could. So. <laughs> I've had to do the same thing as an extra. I've almost like I've run into cameras. We've talked about it before. If they have to have me have my glasses off, the the, the scene is going to be dead. So I run. I've run into it. I ran into a camera on Joan of Arcadia. And oh, there you go. Fucked up a shot. It's really go. great. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, they take your glasses away. Yeah. Well, that's what that's what happens. Uh, I really like. There's a line there. I just highlighted every line that I thought was funny in this. And when Bill is too busy to go to the meeting that mm-hmm. Catherine wants to hold, he says he's busy helping the captain find his way back to the good ship Crunchy Goose or whatever the hell his stupid boat is called. Right. I love when he's. I mean, he's excessively egotistical, but I love when he's especially childish. That's right. one of my favorite things right. about him. Um, yeah, that was a, so he was playing a, a video game. I don't know. Or, or he was, no, he's on the back of uh, the, the oh, Captain oh, Crunch oh, Box. Oh, 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 yes, of the uh, yes. Captain Crunch uh-huh. Box. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, sounds like. fucking stupid. Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> Do you, I, I, it's, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, uh, I, 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 when you, the, just the opening of this where it was just, with the opening credits where you're just showing like a montage of like. Her, her slapping people? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She has like one of the best slaps I think of ever. She, she had a good slap. Yeah. When we discovered that, we were like, "Well, we got to use that." <laughs> there are a Did couple shots in there that are not anywhere yeah. in the series ever. Do you remember those were added or? Uh, oh no, they wouldn't have been added. They they, 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 they would just would have been stuff we'd cut from episodes, I and mean, we cut oh, a wow. lot. It's yeah. one of the things I regret. The final season, I wanted to do something, and I, I, I took a, a real screw up on my part. I wanted to make. Um, Paul said I could do it, uh, you know, uh, but I just didn't. Um, we we cut so much from that show. I mean, mm-hmm. We we overshot so much, and um, there were a lot of really great scenes that just you know just are gone. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? Why don't we? Uh, especially uh, uh, you know, there's all these great Phil Hartman scenes that no one's ever going to see. Mm-hmm. Let's just stitch together an episode of like sort of these God, lost. That'd be amazing. You know, and uh, and then uh, you know, it just I got so busy with the you know I was running the show that year, and it, it was yeah. so it was such a messy year. I, I just never got around to it. You know, there's some specific scenes I remember that, like, but yeah, those slaps would have just been from stuff that we cut. Okay. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Her also choking Dave at one point. Like yeah. She's got her hand around, yeah. like, holding him up against the window. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't know what it's from. I'd have we'd have to pick out the context by what she's wearing, wearing. You know. Yeah. Oh my god. It's. Yes. Oh no! I say, uh, we keep uh, doing it. We're doing no, no. it again. Yeah, we're. This is what this is our thing. Mm-hmm. Um, is it? A lot of ways, I feel like this this episode was written very uh, meta because she's choosing to leave, but it's right. 
the same time, like when you're in an ensemble, like Phil Hartman, like a lot of times it can feel like your character is getting like overlooked. And in this episode, she's like, people were ignoring her until she's actually saying she's leaving. I mean, right, was right. there? Oh, I don't think that, I don't. I don't think that was a, a conscious decision. I, I, that's an interesting take on it, but no. Okay. Yeah, um, it was just about how people are selfish and, and how everyone relate. Everything that happens happens to them, and not <laughs> not to someone else. So, uh, how did news radio do that in a way that wasn't asinine? Because Seinfeld was a show about a bunch of assholes, and it's a show that to me doesn't hold up as well. It's fine. I'm sure it's a great show and people love it, but it doesn't hold up in the same way. They just come across as shitty people. But news radio, they can be selfish characters, but they don't come across as shitty. I think I think Seinfeld holds up better than you think it does, and I, I think there are probably a lot of people who would say that it holds up a lot better than news radio. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm too in the goop to to have an objective yeah. uh, take on it. Um, I, well, I mean, obviously, what was different, and and I mean, what Seinfeld did that was so brave and great was, yeah, they were assholes. They were shitty, shitty characters, and like, and that was, was you know, I didn't like, I didn't love the final episode of Seinfeld, but what was right. great about it was going to the world. Your heroes are assholes. Mm-hmm. Your heroes are terrible, terrible, terrible people. It was, a, it was, it was just a, such a fantastic fuck you to the audience mm-hmm. that had been like in love with them this all this time it's like you know you're you know it, it was great like that was really nice just showing like mm-hmm. these are objectively bad people and and we um you know we weren't as uh obviously as treacly as a lot of shows mm-hmm. but we did have you know and we were accused of not of being inhuman but but our care but we weren't you know like our characters had human emotions and they did care about each other yeah you know and that that is you know that's the the, the great distinction between us and um and Seinfeld is that there were real, you know, h- human emotions in there, you know, and you see, like, in, in, in some episodes more than others, but, you know, when, when, when Jimmy almost died, mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, there, 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 there was a, you know, we, we did have our, our moments of heart, um, you know, but th- that wasn't, you know, and, and, I, you know, like, I personally, I think, like, generally it makes comedy better to have that, because then mm-hmm. you care, and then you, you know, then the, then the, the funny stuff is funnier. Um, I would uh, Seinfeld. You have to give it all credit. Like it was, it's so brave. Just to like, oh fuck that. You know, you know, mm-hmm. just just really like not do it and and be so successful at it. Right. I think I feel like we could talk about it for a long time. I I am I just too partial because I love this show too. That that legit could be it. Maybe my. What's your feeling on on a Seinfeld or a Friends? Friends. <laughs> Well, but Friends is a show that had emotion. I mean, they, they, they you know, they, they yeah. very much, they, they were, you know, to, to a farther extent, you know, they, at least they said they cared about each other. Yeah, you know? all right. Yeah, uh, uh, well, I was going to go with Seinfeld. I, I always, I, I've always, like, liked Seinfeld. It wasn't, like, mm-hmm. my favorite, and, yeah, is your, I, I don't know if, for me, if it was just because I felt, maybe it was, like, a slight disconnect, because they were, like, just kind of, like, assholes, and this is the, the way it is, but, uh. Or something like news radio, even though Bill could be an asshole, when you see that vulnerability in like a future episode, even though it's brief, you're like, oh, he actually does care. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right. Yeah, when I mean, uh, when Matthew got fired this season, I'm like, oh shit, like that's the most human I think he's he was on the entire show ever. Right. So he almost cries. He starts to cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's real. Yeah. As far as if you're gonna go as far as Friends goes, like, uh, I thought it was a. I thought it was a well done show. Sure. I just, uh, Thank you, Tom Sharonis. Yes. Or did no, Tom yeah. Sharonis? Yeah. No, he was he more. No. Yeah, he's Seinfeld. Sorry. He was more Seinfeld. Right. Other way around. See, this is a problem. I insult Seinfeld and I insult Tom Sharonis. No. I insult no, I friends. Seinfeld. I insult Jim Jim Burroughs. Se- My good friend Jimmy Burroughs. <laughs> no, no, Seinfeld was great. Uh, Seinfeld was really good. I 
again, I just didn't connect with it as much as something like news radio. Yeah. And then Friends, also, like, it was really well done, but just the dynamic, I, I just felt, I always felt like news radio just, like, spoke to me more. I'm not I've sure sidetracked this. Yeah. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. Don't good. worry about it's it. Good. It's good. We'll go back. We'll go back now. Yeah, absolutely fine. <laughs> Do you... Uh, out of this and out of the entire series, mm-hmm. Josh, do you have a do you have one that is like a baby? I think we asked you that. Did I ask you that the uh, other uh, day? No, I didn't. Uh, uh, an episode that said, oh, maybe yeah. you did. I already don't remember. Um, I see something like it. No, uh, no. I mean, I, I don't think so. There, there's, um, you know, there's some shows like more than others, but also there's stuff I forget about, and I go, oh mm-hmm. yeah, that was really great. Like, uh, you know, I loved the uh, stupid charity talent show episode. Yes, um, coming up soon. <laughs> We'll be talking about it soon. Um, you know, and that had some, you know, so like making Whoopi. That was like, that was the song I used to I'd sing with a friend for. Well, that, that was that's where that came from. And really? That's why making Whoopi was in there. <laughs> and I used to sing it. I used to sing it at a bar near here, called the, the Money Tree uh-huh. over in Toluca Lake. Okay. They used to have they. That's not the same. But they used to have a lot of great jazz musicians there. And then you could get we, we Jack Sheldon used to be um, Merv Griffin's band leader mm-hmm. would play there, and then um, he's Ross Tompkins who was Johnny Carson's piano player with him and um you know eventually at some time of the night you go up and sing with jack and i i, I could I, I was drunk and and <laughs> and so we young me and brad isaacs would go there a lot um so that and how that's where that's where we're making what came from that's awesome yeah. <laughs> but it was the only song i knew to the words to when i was writing the scenes it was like because mm-hmm. that was what it should be so i love that <laughs> um just really quick to go back to the uh, 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 Matthew and his point of view of seeing the, the oh weird God. thief. Now, do you actually think when Matthew's describing it that he's actually thinks that, uh, a Hamburglar type person? I think, I think he is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know what I was thinking at the time, but uh-huh. I'm pretty positive. I mean, that was the whole, you know, Matthew was insane, you know. He, he was, <laughs> and I, I think, here's what I really like about Matthew, and, and I, I hope people got it, is that he's not a good person. Mm-hmm. Like, right. of, of all the, the the characters on the show, he is he is a bad person. You know, so often it's just like, you know, the, every show you know, you've got your uh, character types, and he he was the dumb one, he was mm-hmm. the naive, you know, but he was, but those guys are always played as like they're woody, they're they're sweet, they're good guys. Like he was not a good guy. Mm-hmm. He he was he was maybe the most selfish guy, you know, in in the newsroom, and you know he was he was a bad person. He mm-hmm. he was a liar, and he would steal if he could, mm-hmm. and you know he he was just he was he was just a wretched human being. We did a. I wanted to do a. a <laughs> so so I think he. Re- but I th- I think he really. Did, you know he, I I you know he obviously he got less and less competent as the series yeah. yes. went on, yes. which is something you know st- your stupid characters always become more stupid and your selfish characters always become more selfish. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know everybody loses reality as, as time goes on as you you sell them out. Um, the uh, Matthew, the the the. The episode where um, Joe and Matthew are going to fight in a, a boxing match or mm-hmm. an IFC, UFC, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I forgot about that one. Yeah, it was, it was a weird one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Matthew ended up conquering him by tickling him, which I, I, I remember not loving. Mm-hmm. That, that wasn't my choice, I don't think. But the um, uh, I wanted to do... My, my thought was... Oh, yeah, this, so what I wanted to do was... <laughs> Was Joe like Matthew was going to get like some early you know whatever in, and Joe was going to hit him once. And he was going to literally kill Matthew, and and then then Matthew would be brought back to life, you know. But like, like that, that he because Joe keeps saying I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill him, I'm going to kill him, and then he would he would literally murder Matthew with one hit. But but the and the thing I, but the thing I wanted to do was I wanted him to hit him. I wanted Matthew to go down, uh-huh. and then I wanted the camera to, to to zoom down. I wanted Matthew's 
body to zoom out, soul to zoom out of his body, and he'd be in hell. He was going to be in hell for like a brief second, like like with pitchforks and shit, and then he was going to be brought back to life. So that you just know that he he was going to go to hell when he died. Um, and uh, why has this perspective not come up before? Is it exclusively yours, or do you think other ca- other writers agreed with this perspective? This on was, I don't remember getting a lot of support from anyone else. <laughs> Uh, on, on that one, I mean, maybe uh, you know, Lou or somebody was, yeah, but I, I don't, I really, I really remember being kind of alone on that one. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, obviously, it, it, we did. I, it, I don't think we got anywhere in the. Uh, uh, it, I don't think that moved forward at all. Did that come though as a, like a, as a result of just developing? Like you're reading the scripts more, writing the scripts more. And you're like he's developing into this person, or you felt like he was that way from the beginning. You know, I. I it wasn't that way from the beginning, you know. Again, again, every show you 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 you, you, you your dumb character gets dumber. You, yeah. you 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 go you do you you do a joke, or this time it's a little bit more. You know, you push the envelope a little bit more. Sure. You know, it's how Homer becomes Homer, and mm-hmm. you know. Um. So, no, you know, and, and if you know, if you look at the pilot, he was a a, comp, a competent but neurotic, you know, mm-hmm. reporter. He um. You know, I, I look. I, th- I think the, the 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 thing that initially set him on this path was the casting of Andy for the part. <laughs> you know, because I remember, you know, <laughs> Paul said to me, "Is like I thought the character was going to be one way, and then Andy Dick said he'd do it." And mm-hmm. you know, and just having him do the lines, like it's a different person. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. just as you know, and 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 that sort of like, you know, I think that, you know the worm is in the apple at that point. Like that, that the die is cast. Like, you know, like we're going to exploit Andy Dick and his, you know comedic genius in the best way we possibly can and that's mm-hmm. really where it took like Andy could play you know he, he didn't just he was not afraid he is not afraid to play unlikable mm-hmm. yeah. you know right. and uh and, and sniveling and you know whatever and, and so you know that's where we got to so I, so so what what I'm understanding then is the episode where he punches Bill mm-hmm that's true, Andy, or that's true. Pardon me. That's true, Matthew. Is that that we're thinking? Because he just he he all of a sudden has the power. Everybody are his little bitches. Oh uh, oh yeah yeah totally yeah, yeah. exactly that, that, that's exactly that's the kind of person he would be if given in the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. God yeah. I, I, that's a really good point because you don't get that litmus test for every character necessarily. Right. You get to see. Dave in power, quote unquote, as the managing the entire office. Right. Lisa well, is the boss. Bill's the boss. Right. And but then that's what happens to Matthew. If you think about the episode, uh, uh, just a few, bef- well, earlier in the season where and Andrea or Andrea first came <laughs> on, and Dave was trying to convince her to fire Carl. Mm-hmm. Right. When Matthew sees Carl in his spot, true, he's like, he he's basically is going to kill him. Kill him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and yeah. he does it later with the, when they're both competing to be fire marshal. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he almost kills that poor bastard. <laughs> he throws him through a door. If I'm not mistaken, I think he throws him through a door. I don't remember. Yeah. Something to that effect. Um, <laughs> there's so many good lines in this episode. Uh, we normally do like a favorite moment and a favorite line from an episode. I don't know that I could necessarily pick. I mean, it's, oh. I guess you could per- pick a favorite perspective, but I feel like I'm just going to lean immediately towards Matthews. Just just because it's <laughs> the, the most insane. Being on the big muddy. And then Jimmy just said, that's, that's, that's a dream you had. That's <laughs> right. I'm so sweet about it. Yeah. That's what Mr. James is saying. Uh, yeah, I want to hear about the story, just not from you. And everybody's stealing the shit off of her, uh, Catherine's desk yeah. before she's actually officially gone. Because nobody paid attention. No. Not an ounce. Uh, Bill takes an armful of stuff, by the way. Some people, of course, Matthew puts a stapler down his pants for it because that's, that's a joke that you write. I I had to point out too. This is a, a one of my f- 
one of my favorite candy moments too is her laughing about the best thing that's happened is the what's happening in her apartment right now, which yeah. was yeah, Bill Joe and Bill. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> forgotten about that. With <laughs> Joe opens the robe though, and mm-hmm. Phil's is like. It has the flowers like I suppose these are for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my so favorite perfect. favorite moments. I yeah, that's <laughs> one of the best endings of the entire series. Oh my <laughs> good god! Um, I can't tell you like how after seeing this episode, uh, uh, you know, when it first aired, how many times I've used that line and various other things. Just like <laughs> really, I suppose these are for you. I keep saying <laughs> that like yeah. that's funny. <laughs> People look at me odd because they don't know what the especially if it's out of context. But uh, right. Most of the time it works, you know. So is there anything, I'm, I'm curious in terms of like uh, expectations this show set up for you as a writer, like working on other stuff? Um, it, you, know, I would, it, you know, it's funny, that, that's actually, I, I think you wouldn't, I, I don't think it's a very good question probably to, for a lot of people, a lot of other shows, or maybe that's yeah. my self-centered thing. I think news radio in specific set us all up in a way for kind of unrealistic expectations for what we'd get to do mm-hmm. around the office or, or how we'd get to, to run a show um, or what we'd be able to get away with. Um, we were all really young. I mean, we were, you know, I mean, Brad Isaacs for the first couple of seasons was like the, the you know, respected adult, and he was 35 at the time. <laughs> <you know? laughs> okay. Okay. But he, you know, and, and he was not, you know, he, he was, you know, just like us. And But we were all um, kids. And, and um, you know, Paul wasn't, Thirty yet when I think we premiered and mm-hmm. and we were younger and you know it was me and Lou and Brian and Al Higgins and, um, and Joe I mean I, yeah I mean I guess Joe was thirty three you know we, we we were babies and we I didn't know we I didn't take it very seriously in a way uh, uh-huh. the, the, I, I it, it's I, I was I, I thought people who took it seriously were were, were sellouts and uh-huh. I, mean, I, I, I mean I still do to a certain extent I, I, I mm-hmm. think they're I, I think it's just ridiculous to uh, you see these people uh, sucking up to uh, executives and um, you know or or, or to the, the showrunner you mm-hmm. know and I know it's it's a career and I guess people you know and 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 I, I this was this was not maybe healthy. Like it, this was out of arrogance, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought I would always work, you know, because sure. I was so great, and <laughs> people would, you know, I was an not an artist, but I was so fucking good that you know I could get away with all this shit, and you know, we did a, like I said, did these writing episodes in in five hours the night before the table Jesus read, Christ. and then um, you know staying up all night just putting things off and. Uh, uh, pushing table reads because we didn't we didn't always pull it off, mm-hmm. um, which became a real problem. Uh, became a real problem for me the, the final season. Um, the uh, you know it, it just uh, uh, and also the also the way of writing the show. Mm-hmm. So because I I do th- look doing it all in one night like that is not smart. Or, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But the 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 um, the fallback for. Ninety-nine percent of shows is the table. Is, is is doing a. We never did a real. We never did a table like you see on people. Go, oh, it's a table like that. We didn't do that. Okay. We we never sat. I mean, I'm not saying never, but maybe one once every now and then we would read through the script together. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. But I mean, or we ever go off and read the script and we come back in and go with punch-up lines. But we never went through the script line by line and somebody would write a script and then we'd all punch it up, which is what you do on every other show. Yeah. And um and I've. And so, like my my, 
my rude awakening to that was uh, I always said I could you know I I think I left and and I, I want to take a little time off or whatever but they said hey, here's a consulting gig on this show and I said like, oh, I could consult and sure let's do that and mm-hmm. I was one day w- or two days a week and I went in and this was a show where they didn't have anything where they didn't even have somebody wouldn't even write a script they would just sit down and go okay who says what first and oh. and it wow. it was excruciating and it was awful it was it was a terrible terrible thing and, and the guy running the show was just the worst i mean I, so I, I spent all my time making fun of him <laughs> I, mean, um, I mean i was relentless I, and, and and i kept calling my agent saying you got to get me off this show and I, i'd insisted when i took the gig i was like like well you know you're guaranteed this this and this and i was like no 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 i, I want it like so that i can leave or anytime i want and they can yeah. they, they can have me they can get rid of me i don't want anything to hold me out and and I, I did two episodes and, and i kept calling my agent i got it and he's like no no you mean we have the network next week you got to stick around and I thought about it over the weekend. I was like, you know, I'll go in and talk to the, not the showrunner, but the, his his boss, who was. And I was like, you know, and I'll, I'll say like, give me give me my own room, just so, so that I can, you know, we'll, and just a couple of people, and we'll get more done. You know, this is how I can be useful. And I got a call like the next morning saying you're fired. You know, <laughs> and, yeah. and so because because yeah, I was just, I mean, I relentless. But but it was like, I, I learned how, and also like, look, I mean, the the um, the Simpsons is brilliant, and that's how they do it, but. Mm-hmm. It's a show where you get a script and then it gets, goes through the grinder over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I do think I I, I genuinely like to write, mm-hmm. and and I, and I really do. Um, and you don't I, I can sit around a table and make jokes with people as good as anyone, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't enjoy it as much. Yeah. Or and um, you know, and I do think you you lose, you know, you know some arterial voice with that. But you get you know the the collective voice which is what you need for a show like the simpsons which is a a collective like that but a lot of shows will you know because they'll they'll get the script and they'll grind through it slowly and they'll stay till two in the morning Mm -hmm. you know they'll do it so that they can say even if the show's shitty like well i don't know what happened you know we did what we were supposed to do (laughs) you know you can't blame us like we put in you know 14 hour days sitting in that goddamn room grinding through it it's like but it it, it's cover in a way people people kind of hide you know uh, in the, in that in that uh, process, and but they're they're you know they're certainly they're super smart funny people in every writer's room, but they're, they're, it's sort of it's a very powerful engine, but it's an engine I feel like that it's designed to move sideways most of the time, uh-huh. um, and I th- I think you get more forward progress if you give people a little more, if, if you let know, the showrunner, it, it depends on the showrunner you know and yeah. and how much uh, she or he you know processes but and how how good she or he is but that's it. So that first show you're talking about was Mad Libs, the TV show. It sounds like it. Um, it, it, it was. It, it, that was a bizarre experience. I will say. It, was, it sounded like it, your job description was way more than consulting. Uh huh. No, no. <laughs> uh, well, it, it was. I mean, it was. Everybody was in the room doing the same. You know, it was just yeah. like, all right, who says what? What's going to happen now? You know, and I was like, I, I, wow, truly, truly hilarious. But when I hear of how writers' rooms work, I mean, I've never done that, and I will never unless it's my own show, which means. I will never. Uh, but just the, the <laughs> way the way what writers' rooms work don't make sense to me, and it sounds like you know yours is more Monty Python. Like Monty Python was very similar. Like go off do your own thing, come back with your with your bits and pieces. Except you guys would assign stuff out. That was your job. But yeah, well, it's got it. Yeah, I mean, I I think with it because it it can't be. You know, it can't really be um, authored by one person because. Unless it's all written by the showrunner or one person, because mm-hmm. it's, it's got to be the show. It's got to sound like the show. Yeah. And and somebody's got to be the arbiter or some you know people or persons. 
so I, I think it's important that things get processed through, you know, a me and then a Paul, you know, or mm -hmm. that, that somebody who really knows the show, you know, knows the voice can get everything right. I mean, I, I, I you know, and there's just even dumb little, th like this is known to ever know it, but uh, I, 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 half my memories of news radio are correcting people's misspellings of the name McNeil. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, on scripts, and I think they probably just did it to antagonize me. But you know, but but I was like the keeper. It's like no, it's M C N E A L. You mm -hmm. know, and and you know, and and um, you know, but it, it's part of like just knowing that knowing the show. Yeah, and there's no reason why you would know that, and I think because that was the name that cleared legal, or for whatever reason, mm. or that Paul or Brad or somebody at Joe had put in the script. You know, when uh -huh. we first had his name in episode two, or I don't know what the hell. You know. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I do uh, I had I had a thought the other day, and it's something I wanted to ask you about uh, after we had you on the phone, just about Super Running Mon Monkey Death Car, and it's something that I hopefully maybe you haven't had to talk about before. Okay. I desperately want to know, had anybody ever thought about writing out an entire biography for Bill, or or writing out all of uh, Jimmy's book? Because holy shit, I would love to read either one of those. No, 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 no. no that was you know we like to commit to jokes, mm -hmm. but um. Uh, I don't think we ever considered. It, it, I, I'll tell you what. If we'd been a more popular show, mm -hmm. and there had been, you know, some sort of acclaim for uh, uh, popular outcry for for their biography, mm -hmm. we, we would have written it. That would have been fun. Yeah. But, um, we no. We, I mean, well, you know, like look, we did like celebrity biography, you know, like Goober in a nutshell. Yeah. You know about, mm -hmm. and, yeah. you know, whatever we would find at the magazine stand at three in the morning mm -hmm. to to read rather to, to avoid working. Um, is that, I don't even know that Coinga Newsstand's still there. I think I think I know it's it was last time I saw it, it shrunk down to, you know, a minuscule. It, it used to be such a great newsstand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but um, the um, uh, I, no, we never did that. We did like I would say the committing to jokes is like uh, Lou Morton was really great at committing to jokes. For instance, the the broken CD that he would not uh -huh. give up on. Uh, he had a really great. He was good at. Um, he would do something uh, embarrassing. And and so, for instance, like he he would make a reference to like a a, a penis pump or something. Where we go, like, what's that? And he goes, oh, it's a penis pump. And then like realized nobody knew what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. And then he would run out of the room, which is sort of we'd all commit to that sort of. <laughs> but Lou would run out of the room, <laughs> run down two flights of stairs, run. We could watch him running across the parking lot, run out of the lot, and be gone for half an hour. You know, like <laughs> like like he, R Lou was great. I mean, he he would haul ass, and we'd finally come back and be sweating bullets. You know. Like you know, and like that—that's what you respect in 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 in, in comedy. Oh, is just um, so so yeah. If anyone had written it, it would have been Lou, I think. Yeah, he wrote the he wrote the um the Ted is dead song for Matthew. Really? Which I think about a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and and like and I remember going into his office and he he goes here, how's this? And it was like it's so good. And he, him singing, I mean Matthew Andy singing it was great, but it, nothing was ever funnier than than Lou singing it to me the first time. So. <laughs> that's so good. If you could write a, the, the Bill autobiography of just the first page saying, sometimes a man needs to drink alone, and then there's a 200 empty pages. Yeah, that's also fine. I'd, <laughs> yeah. I'd also purchase that, probably. Yeah, yeah I know. Yes, I'm a sucker. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Um, well, do you want to leave us with any final thoughts on this episode, This on, on Catherine Moves On? It was uh, it was definitely sad to see Candy go. I think, it, you know, she went out with a bang. Uh, it was so wonderful to have her back for the Bill Moves On episode. Yeah, sure. um, you know, it is, I think, one of you made a point a little earlier that 
um, in some ways when people, a lot of times, you know, this show, a lot of times the show would echo what was happening in our, our real uh, lives. So, you know, the, when they over, when uh, Davey was dropped on them by inadvertently, mm-hmm. sh- uh, uh, the bitch session one, mm-hmm. you know, that was real, right? And, and so, um, and, and the bad interview in a magazine, mm-hmm. you know, that was real. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so in bad reviews, that was real. And, mm-hmm. um, so this was, I guess, you know, this was, this was a, a real kind of reflection of that. And then Bill moves on was, you know, somebody who was really great and we loved was really dead. And, you yeah. know, yeah. how do we express that? Um, but that was Paul, that was all Paul, by the way. Um, and, um, I can, uh, uh, we'll, we can do another thing at some point about, uh, you know, how that came together. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was, I think it was a, it was a, it was a great send off for candy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really, I, I haven't, gonna haven't seen, it. I'll probably watch, go watch it now and go, Oh, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> boy, that suck. Um, but I, th- I think it was really funny. I think well, in this, there was a scene where I think everybody was going in to dump stuff on Dave's desk. Uh, is that right? Or maybe that that Lisa, Lisa, because she was a news director. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, and Lisa's desk. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they kept like. So I think more stuff. On yes, there, right. Yeah. yeah, of course. I, that and we, sh- we shot a version where the weird thief was in that line. It's just <laughs> if, if this, were, this is for the completists out there who, who want to know everything. And 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 Paul was like into p- putting that in. I was like, I don't think so. I think Paul and Joe wanted to do it. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, don't. I, I, as the weird thief, I got the deciding vote. I think. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. But like, it just it it, it it because it broke the uh, the reality. But um. Uh, whatever reality there was at that point but, uh, so but yeah I know it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a great episode and I'm glad I got to talk about it it's wonderful um, well first of all do you have anything to promote and where can people find you we went over this last time but you need to repeat it alright so I have uh, I mean if you want to find me on Twitter and not that I tweet a lot but I occasionally like other people's things so maybe that's helpful mm-hmm. I'm Josh Lieb 9 uh, and that's L-I-E-B as in boy uh, for all my fans out there mm-hmm. I have um I have a couple of uh, books for uh, usually younger readers, but the, the first, uh, uh, my first book, I Am a Genius of Unspeakable Evil and I Want to Be Your Class President, can be very happily read by adults. I wrote it to be like the books I liked when I was a young adult, which is, they were written for, they were smarter than me, yeah. you know, and they made me sort of feel like I was being let in on a bigger world. Sure. And so, uh, and it's super funny, and it's a really great book, and uh, the my other book is slightly younger, um, it's called Ratscaliber. If you have kids out there, like a nine or ten year old, it's a mm-hmm. really f- also a funny book it's about a a boy who turns into a rat, and he uh, pulls the spork from the scone, and he sort of Ratscaliber is the name of the thing, and he goes on this sort of <laughs> Arthurian adventure. There's this whole sort of underworld of of, of rats and magic. Nice. Ragic is what ma- rats do, and so <laughs> it's good. Of course, it is. yeah. Man does magic. Rats do magic. It is. It, a, it's a whole lot. It makes sense when you read it too. It, it's a, it is good, and so and I have. Um, Another book coming out a year from now, for even younger, so so keep your eye out a year from now called uh, for uh, chapter two is missing, uh, where the book where chapter two of the book is missing and, and we're uh, the whole book is looking for chapter two, and uh, <laughs> and, and, and and so um, and then that one I'm looking forward to, um, I have uh, you know um, and if you always want to I had a funny piece on the New Yorker online a couple weeks ago called um, Flowers for Amelia Bedelia. Where Amelia Bedelia gets the flowers for Algernon drug, basically, and gets super smart for a little bit. Uh-huh. And, um, <laughs> you know, I'm sort of always writing uh, little bits like that, you know. And I had a, So if you, if you Google my name, stuff will turn up. 
I wrote a funny one called Chelsea Clinton's Dream Dinner Party that was pretty good, mm-hmm. and Trump's caddy, and so so anytime you want to, you know, look up my short pieces, they're 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 out there if you search. But yeah, get get my buy my books, buy my books. They're really good books. Please buy Josh's Please. books. Uh, Jen's not here. Pieces, actually, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jen's not here, so I will say go vote in November because that's the kind of thing she would say something nice. That oh, oh, oh! Yeah, I got something to promote. Yeah. So I'm at what well, reason I'm in LA is I'm producing uh, four specials for speaking of voting in November for the Pod Save America guys. Awesome. Okay. Oh, and right. so uh, that's you know there are four former Obama speechwriters and advisors: Dan Pfeiffer, John Lovett, John Favreau, uh, Tommy Veter, and and they're great. Mm-hmm. They're they're really brilliant guys. We're going to do four shows in the month before the midterm from four different cities. Uh, for HBO, they're going to air Friday nights, and they're going to air Sunday after uh, Oliver. And uh, we're going to uh, be four different cities looking at the issues that people are facing. And it's not just, although I've done these shows, you know, it, it, we, we, I know everybody, or a lot of people feel, uh, you know, uh, what can I do, blah, blah. This is a show that it's smart and like shows you like what you can do and mm-hmm. like, like, like how, how you can... What, what you know? How you can really get involved in, in the democratic process and and, awesome. and sort of smart insight. So please, yeah, watch. Uh, it's called uh, Pod Save America. It'll be on HBO, and you'll start seeing ads coming up soon. That's awesome. That's great. That's wonderful. Now, again, Alan and I get to look like assholes. Alan, what do you want to promote? Um, well, uh, don't know when it's coming out, but uh, look for the Netflix movie Dolomite is my name. I'm in several scenes. Hopefully. They don't get cut, but with no, Eddie Murphy, play that out. Well, I'll watch that. That's awesome. <laughs> Eddie Murphy's playing Eddie Murphy. Rudy Ray. No, we, we, Do- Dolomite was a big favorite of ours at the show. Really? Was it? We did a. We, we would, uh, you know, whatever. Just sit down, screw your lid on tight, and I'll tell you the story about uh, Dolomite. Was a. I think it was 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 a. We were all Rudy Ray Moore fans. You know, we all had sort of old tastes and stuff. So, I, but yeah, it's a Dolomite. It's it's it, it, it's appropriate that you were in a Dolomite movie. Great. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's Eddie well, Murphy playing him, playing Rudy Ray Moore. Yeah. I cannot wait. Yeah. Well, I, I I used to watch that movie with my buddies because we you know made fun of it in high yeah. school. Right. And I actually told the director that because when I was leaving, he was like, oh, "Okay, you know," he was like, "Everybody was thankful for everybody." But I was like, "Yeah, just letting you know, I I didn't tell them I'm in this movie. I'm gonna wait till it comes out because right. I want them to flip their shit. It'll blow their mind. Of course." <laughs> <laughs> Great! God damn it, that's so good. I think one found out, but but the other one's still in the anyway. Mm-hmm. I'll just leave it for that. So, Jason, what would you like oh, for a moment? Nothing, yeah. literally nothing by <laughs> comparison. You can. We're talking about books by my book that I wrote three years ago. It's called Postmodem: The Interwebs Explained. It's a fake history of the internet. Buy read, it. Read that fucking thing. Read. Nah, don't read the first one. The first book's okay, but the, that one, that one's very good. I'm on Twitter at Jclom. Yes. Oh, well, let me promote one other thing. Chris Please. Marshall's wife wrote a great book uh, a year or two ago, two years ago now, probably three, called uh, "Be Frank with Me." Oh yes. And it was a it was a su- total success. Because, but but if you haven't read it, you should read it. It's very Julia. Her name's Julia Claiborne Johnson. It's a, a brilliant book, uh, and uh, you know, f- far more with far more um, uh, insight and intellect than any actual news radio writer could do. But it was the, the, but one news radio writer was smart enough to marry a woman who could do it. So <laughs> so I, I do I do recommend "Be Frank with Me" very much. That's perfect. Well, uh, that's about it. Thank you guys for listening. And there's just one more thing to say. Catch you later, B-Cakes! Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast, is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. The show is hosted by Alan Rickert, Jason Klom, and Jen, who lives on the ether. Our theme song was composed and performed by Michael Warden. Have questions? Call and leave us a voicemail at 646-801-WNYX or email us at freakzilla at scopenet.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, P.O. Box 805, Burbank, California, 
888-985-9503. Subscribe to Dispatches from Fort Awesome on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any other podcast outlet. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WNYX News Radio, or find everything in one place at WNYXNewsRadio.com. Thanks, Joe. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15-plus years. Big day today, Dave. <laughs>